We are continuing in our series called Ancient Faith, in which we look at the truths found in the Apostles' Creed as it points us to Scripture. So we're preaching Scripture, not the Creed, but the Creed reminds us of the truths we find in Scripture. And today we're going to do a little something different. We're going to do a tag team sermon. So I'm going to do a little bit. Pastor Matt's going to do the other part. And then at the end, we'll recite the Creed together uh, as we remind ourselves of the truths found in the Scriptures and we uh, refute the counter narratives that we hear in our day. Uh, the creed is a good reminder. It's a good foundation for us as we think about what we believe. Uh, if you're still trying to figure out what you believe, the Apostles' Creed is a great uh, understanding, a, a concise understanding of what Christians believe. And so if you're investigating Christianity, I'm glad you're here. And the creed is a great opportunity for you to think through what Christians actually believe. Uh, it's foundational. Christians around the world and throughout the corridors of history have believed in it. And one of the things I wanted to mention, too, uh, that's uh, corollary to this is... <clears throat> Uh, throughout uh, church history, Christians have uh, kind of uh, used the creed uh, to encourage people to think through what they believe, but also uh, they would call people to baptism. And many times they would use the creed to uh, showcase what Christians believe and, and then call people, you know, if you believe in this, be baptized. And so I wanted to give this uh, offering to you that Jesus calls us to be baptized. If we follow after Jesus, to be baptized. If you follow after Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, uh, we would love the chance to talk with you. In fact, uh, we can have the number up on the screen. If you are interested in knowing more about baptism, maybe you have questions or you just want to get baptized, if you could text your name to that uh, number, we'll give you a call. If you want us to email you, text your name and email address to that number. Feel free to get out your phones or whatever right now. You can do that later. Uh, but we would love the opportunity. we got opportunities uh, for baptism coming up here uh, shortly, and we would love the chance to talk with you about uh, the sacrament of baptism and obedience to Jesus in that regard. We uh, today will be focusing on a few different texts as we're reminded, as the Creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God. That is a foundational statement. If you say, you start the Creed, you say, I believe in God. That is a strong, deep anchor that speaks to the rest of your life. What you think about the nature of the cosmos is uh, going to form who you are and how you behave and how you respond to adversity and how you uh, respond to prosperity. Uh, that statement, I believe in God, is a reminder of who God is. It's also a reminder of who we are. And it's a refutation of the counter narrative that exists in our day, especially that says, you know what, you can pick whatever God you want. In fact, you might be a good candidate. There's so many of us that are operating under the impression that I am God. In fact, you know, for me, I, I fall into this temptation all the time. Every morning I wake up, I pass by the mirror and I say, hey, handsome. How you doing? Looking good. You know what? You're good. You're smart. You got this. You're going to be successful today. You're going to just own the world. In fact, the world would be a better place if everybody thought like you. That's what I say to myself. And then I burn the toast. Like, I can't even operate a toaster. And yet, in my mind, as the day begins, my natural tendency is to think I'm the center of the universe, to think I'm the main deal, to think I'm the point of the whole story. Every day, I start with the... With the very present temptation to align myself, to align my heart, to align my life around this idea that I am the center of the universe and y'all are just props. Y'all are just other players in the game. In fact, y'all are just the audience to watch how awesome I am. 
And then I burn the toast. Like I can't, I, I, I'm, you and I are faced every day with factual realities that scream at us, you are not capable of being God. Yeah, like, let me prove it to you. You ever change your mind? Some of us are like, no, and that's a good thing. That's not a good thing, right? Some of us used to think the Oakland Raiders were good, and then we had a revelation. We changed our mind and came closer to the truth. This is good for us to do, Matt Hawkins. It's good for us to do. They're going, they're, they're leaving Oakland, so that's your problem, not my problem. Every day. We are reminded that we are not great candidates to be God. When we recite the creed, we remind ourselves of who God is and also who I am. For in the beginning, right, there's this, there's this uh, statement in the book of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible. I'm going to read it to you, and here's the deal. You, uh, I would encourage you to read along if you, uh, if you find that to be beneficial. But these words might be so familiar to you that you might need to hear them without reading. In fact, you might need to close your eyes. You might need to focus your mind and your heart right now on these words. In fact, I would encourage you to do that as I read. This is Genesis 1. In the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Darkness was over the face of the deep. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In the beginning, God created. Out of the void, God created. Out of darkness, God created in the beginning. This statement of the creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, speaks to the truth we find in Genesis 1, that in the beginning, God, God has eternally existed. And there are many of us who say, you know, I don't believe in God. I think that the idea of God is regressive or at least re or maybe even repressive. I want to maintain an open, free, skeptical mind, a free-thinking mind. I don't believe in God. I can't believe in God uh, because that's regressive. That's repressive. We all know that we are... Uh, we all know our origins. We don't need God to explain the world anymore. And if you're there, I just want to push back on that a little bit. I don't think you live your life as if there is no God. I think you live, I think your emotive state shows that you, maybe not cognitively, but you emotionally wish there was a God. And I'll prove it to you. Have you seen anything going on in the world recently that you do not like? Have you seen anything going on in the world that you say, that's wrong? People should not do that. Have you ever used the word injustice? Have you ever used the word love or beauty? 
You see, if you use those words and you say those things, you are operating as if there is some capital T truth out there, that there's some cosmic judge who has dictated what is just and what is not just. Let me put it another way. If you and I are nothing more than sacks of chemicals, the only thing that we can say is, you know, I would prefer it that we don't torture innocent people. You couldn't say it's wrong to torture innocent people because where, what, what court are you appealing to? Listen, check this out. Uh, there's a, uh, a Vladimir Solovyov says this, sarcastically. Man descended from apes, and therefore we must love one another. <laughs> now, uh, what I mean to say is this, okay? So check this out, and it's a sharp statement, and I, and I, do you see the incongruence? If you and I are nothing more than the product of random chance, that's it, that's all we are then the statement, you should love one another, is incongruent. You see, many of us are walking around living an incoherent life. We believe with our minds that God does not exist, that this whole Jesus thing is absolutely stupid, and yet with our emotions and with our feelings and with our statements and with our judgments, we are appealing to some high court, some capital T truth. Friends, will you have the intellectual integrity and honesty to Examine the premises that you are using. So uh, uh, Tim Keller says this, if your premise is that there is no God, excuse me, if your premise that there is no God leads most naturally to conclusions that you know are not true, that moral obligation, beauty and meaning, the significance of love, our consciousness of being, that they're all, they're all self-illusions, then change your premise. If you're operating under the premise that God does not exist, however, there's love, there's beauty, uh, there's the meaning, dignity, worth, and value in every person, those two things are incongruent, so you gotta change the premise. Either you and I are not created and endowed with dignity, worth, and value, therefore, who cares what we do to people? Or you gotta change that first premise, say something happened, there's, there's dignity, worth, and value inherent with all people, therefore, we must love one another. Man descended from apes, therefore, love your neighbor as yourself is an incongruent worldview. And the creed challenges that directly. God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. The Father, you have in, in God the origin, the source of life, love, and beauty. We sang it a moment ago. Uh, we sang holy, 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 right? God in three persons, blessed trinity. So chickity, chickity, check. This is mind-blowing stuff. God in three persons, Right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's one God, three persons, not three different gods, not one God with three different hats, but one God, three persons. And I know that that's mind-blowing. That's why we sing, right? We're talking about God. So check this out. For eternity, past and future, for eternity, love has existed. Community has existed. So you, see, you see, for love to work, there's got to be two parts to love, Right? The one giving the love and the one receiving the love. So if you have uh, eternity past, you, you have this idea that many of us think, well, God created us because he was lonely. No. I've been around most of you. He could have done better if he just needed a companion. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just saying that out loud right now so we can be clear. But check this out. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? So I believe in God, the Father Almighty. So you have within that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you have eternally existing love. 
Self-deferential love, which means that love is out of an overflow from God, not something that God created that is not eternal. So when you and I engage in love, when we use words like, I love you, I, I, I love that person, we are connecting into the very nature of God, for God is love. You have in the fatherhood of God, this loving God, you have the source of love. And the world was not born in hate or anger, the world was born in love and out of love. In the midst of the chaos and the void, if you heard it, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and God uses his voice and he speaks the world into existence out of love. The void surrendered. He's the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. This is a unique worldview. All other worldviews basically point to the fact that what we're doing right now is either subpar to some state that we're going to go to next, or it's an accident. In fact, many of the ancient pagan accounts of creation speak to this reality that creation is nothing more than an accident. And again, I would appeal to you, if we are nothing more than the products of random chance, why do we get angry when people treat each other like products of random chance? He's the maker of heaven and earth. He spoke the world into existence and the endless void surrendered. The spark of light, he clothed the stars in fire and the darkness could not overcome the light. We recognize that he's the maker of heaven and earth. He's also our maker. And this is especially poignant for those of us who live in Phoenix, one of the most individualistic cultures there is, cowboy. We all wanna be like the, you know, the lone ranger, just, just, just me all by myself. And then we say things to each other like, you can be anything you want to be. You can self-define who you are. And I just want to tell you that you got to be real careful about saying that to folks, especially kids, right? I don't think that some of us are built to be some things. I mean, we have inherent dignity, worth, and value. We also have skills, gifts, talents, and resources that have been given to us by our creator to steward. Like, I, don't, I cannot be an astronaut. I can't add Numbers together to save my life. We're, it's our 40th anniversary, I think. People keep telling me that. So I don't know, right? Like, I don't think I can be an astronaut. There's certain limitations on me. And we hate that. We kick and scream against that. We pretend like there aren't limitations built at us. But do you not see that within limitations, there's absolute freedom as we live in light of the truth that God is a loving creator, that he has made us with inherent dignity, worth, and value, and he's made us all unique. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That almighty thing freaks us out because we, we, we wonder, okay, so is God sovereign and in control or do we have free will and, and that's kind of constantly in tension? And so let me just add to the mix and say that the scripture says two things. Number one, God is completely sovereign over all things. Everything that he deems to come to pass will come to pass. Psalm 135, 6 says this, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. He do what he want to do. Follow me? He knew whatever he wants. He holds the universe together with the world of his power. And you and I are agents that make free will choices. We're, we have free agency and the decisions that we make have weight. They can be just or unjust. And we're morally culpable for those decisions. You say that's a paradox. Again, that's why we sing. Because the dynamic nature of reality doesn't fit nice and neat on a little notepad. 
But check this out. You and I, we have what, uh, what some philosophers call free agency, that we can make these decisions and they mean something. And we have used that free agency to not deep, uh, uh, dive more deeply into our relationship with God, but rather run and rebel against God. This is Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone turned, everyone has turned to their own way. We have used our free agency as created beings to rebel against God and turn towards our own pursuits, looking in the mirror every morning saying, you are God. Maybe not articulating it that, maybe subconsciously, but behaving like that. Look at your actions and your thoughts over the last week. Who's been the most important person in the world to you? Likely you. likely me for myself. You see, we have rebelled. Many of our hearts are now inclined against God. We have chosen the void. We are experiencing chaos apart from our creator. We have, in a very real sense, tasted hell in our lives. Friends, are you there? Do you know what it is to experience the chaos of a disordered world, a disordered heart, a disordered soul. Do you know what the void feels like? There is hope. The creed points us to it. And so does Genesis 1, because since the beginning, there was a rumor. When I was in high school, senior year, I was a part of my first real bona fide production. It was a musical um, called Grease. You know, out of the old John Travolta uh, movie scene is, you know, this 1950s type musical. A couple of friends of mine, they uh, dared me to try out for the play. I wasn't a drama guy. You know, I did church plays and all that kind of stuff when I was a kid. You know, I was a pew baby, born and raised on the church pew, on the church seat. And... So I've, I've done those things, but never anything with like stage hands and, and lights and, and, you know, big, huge backdrop and all this stuff. And so I thought this would be easy. And that was my first mistake. And then the second thing, I thought that I was going to get the lead part. Thought I was going to, you know, thought I was going to be John Travolta. You know what I mean? You know, thought I was going to do it. So went out for tryouts. I could sing better than everybody in my mind. And, and so obviously I didn't get the lead part, but I did get a pretty epic part, and, you know, a cocky person, very prideful person that I was, 17, 18 years old, I said, man, you know, I didn't get the lead part, but I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do this so well, I'm going to kill this, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dominate this part so much that everybody's going to be like, he was the best part of the show. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, I am uh, the beauty school dropout guy, all right? <laughs> I'm the angel, and, and dressed in all white. I don't know if you know that scene in the movie. It's beauty school dropout. No graduation day for you. Beauty school dropout. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was hoping somebody did that. Um, so anyway, I had this whole thing planned out. I had my lines and everything. Tons of practices and all this stuff. I was like, ah, oh, these people are crazy. We got to come out here like every Tuesday night and practice and stuff. And so anyway, we get to the day of the show, the big day, and I'm excited, super cocky. And I come out on the stage before the show starts and the curtains are down. 
And I look at the stage, and it looks completely different. The stage didn't have a car. They have, they have a real car on the stage, like 1950s car. You know, they got real stairs for me to come down as if I'm coming down from heaven, you know. I didn't practice on real stairs. I just practiced on a solid, flat foundation. So instantly, I start getting nervous. I'm like, man, this is real. Like, they're really going for this. Stage is completely redone. Then I peer out. I'm like, okay. Calm down, Matthew. Ain't nobody really going to be here, right? So I look out into the audience, and there's like hundreds of people coming in. Like, they're like having a tailgate party out here. There's seats that are blocked off for family and, and these intense dads that have their, you know, old school cameras, and, and they're, they're ready to videotape their baby. And so I'm just, I'm just nervous, and I, I start having a little, a little attack. I was a little panicked, you know? I said, man, I got to get out of here because all my friends are going to laugh at me because I'm going to be terrible. I'm going to fall down the stairs. <laughs> and all of a sudden, as I'm walking out the door, the director of the whole production says, places, everyone. Everyone, get to your places. And instantly in my mind, I realized I'm not the big production. I'm not the one that's supposed to handle this whole thing. I'm just one small piece. One small part of the entire production. I ended up doing the show. I killed it, of course. It was beautiful. <laughs> but what gave me the confidence was I was just a part. I was a prop. I was like one among many. But there was a bigger purpose. There was a qualified individual who was directing this whole thing. And there was a bigger reason behind the production that didn't include me. Whether I did good, whether I did poorly, it, it didn't really matter because they would forget about it before other scenes were coming. In life, in life today, there's a temptation for you to feel as though you are the main event. For you to act like 17-year-old or 18-year-old Matthew and pretend as though you are not just a part in the major production, but you are the production. You are the reason behind the whole thing. Especially those who call themselves Jesus followers, sometimes we can feel as though in a self-righteous way it's all about us. I love the Apostles' Creed because it reminds us out of the gate, as it says, I believe not in Matthew's ability, but I believe in God. Everything, everything that's done is because of God. There's a bigger reason, there's a bigger why, there's a bigger purpose. And in scripture, it tells us this. Exodus chapter 9 says, But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power, that they might know my name and be proclaimed in all the earth. Not about Matthew's name, but that they might know God's name. That's liberating. That's exciting because you don't have to freak out as if if you make something terrible of yourself or if you burn the toast as if it's all going to be lost. You can't confidently look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to be great today. I'm going to be successful today. You have to tag on with God and with God alone. I can and separate from God, it is very impossible to do that. 
Now, here's the application. The major application of this is, if you're not a Jesus follower, you have to answer some very heavy questions. Beauty, love, where do, the, where do all these things come from? Right, wrong, why are we mad if this person is murdered? Why are we mad if, if, if something goes wrong? You know, a sack of chemicals, how do we, how do we reconcile that? When we're talking about our little girl, you know, I have two daughters. If somebody treats one of my daughters like a sack of chemicals, that's a problem. It's a massive problem. I might go to jail, that's a massive problem. And if you're a dad in here, you're agreeing with me, yes, that's a massive problem. So if you're not a Jesus follower, that, that's, 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 that's kind of uncomfortable. You have to kind of reconcile that. If you are a Jesus follower, here's the, here's the shout. You don't have to be the allness of the muchness. You don't have to always get the answer right. And if, if you try your hardest and you do your very best, most of the time you probably won't get it right. There's somebody in here that's working Working so hard to be all things for all people. Working so hard to fill so many different gaps. Working so hard, beating themselves up. Listen, we are broken, desperately in need of something greater than ourselves. And it's not just me, but it's the person sitting next to you. And it's the person that's sitting in your seat that happens to be you. You are desperately in need of Jesus and you're going to make mistakes. But thanks be to God that he is the one who is the main event. He is the big production. He's the reason why. Y'all should have shouted a little louder for that one. <laughs> the other major, massive application that we get from God, this, this massive God is, is not only is he the point, but the text reminds us, even in, in Matthew chapter 7, the text reminds us of this next word. Not only is God God, but he's God our Father. Not only is he the point, but he's super personal. He's super present, like a good father should be. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, ratchet, messed up, you crazy, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? If I am a dad, I'm not the greatest dad ever. I used to think that I was going to be the greatest dad ever. And then I actually had to be somebody's dad. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this is challenging. <laughs> even me as a dad who's broken and who makes mistakes, even me, if my son asks me for food, I'm going to give him something to eat. If that's me who's broken, the text is saying, what about your heavenly father? Not only is he God high and lifted up, but he is present here among us. Not only, grandma used to say, not only does he sit high, but he looks low. I'm excited about this God that I serve because he's not this, um, you know, very distant. You have to reach my level. He knows that I am a, a consistent screw up. He knows that I make mistakes. And so there's this amazing, beautiful, um, wonderfully, divinely designed system that's in place that says when I am not able, I have a personal, patient 
present father who's not keeping records of my wrong so he can whoop me like my mom and dad did. But he is one who says, I know you messed up. I know you are crazy. I know you've made mistakes. I know you are down. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here with open arms. My prodigal son, my prodigal daughter, I'm here to receive you. I'm excited for you to come back. You know, when I was a kid, I used to think that if I sinned, I needed to wait like an hour or two to ask for forgiveness. I need to wait at least an hour or two or four or five hours so it can be sincere. That was the dumbest thing. That was the dumbest thing. I was like, all right, Jesus, about another hour and uh, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. No. Like right in the middle of our mess, we can call to God and ask him to help us. Y'all just a little too conservative for me. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Like right in the, okay, here, here we go. So we have the prodigal son. I'm gonna do this and then we'll go to the last P. We have the prodigal son. This is, this is a son who is disrespectful, irreverent. He goes to his dad and he says, dad, I want my inheritance right now. Give me the money, daddy, right now. Dad, father gives him his inheritance and the son goes to, you know, back then that version of Vegas goes to that version of Atlantic City and he's like, I'm gonna just go crazy. And he spends everything on riotous living, crazy living. He wastes all of the inheritance, wastes all of his dad's money. Oh God. And he finds himself in a hog's pen, in a pig's pen. And I love the text because in Luke, somewhere around chapter 15, it says he comes to himself. Y'all should have shouted right there. He comes to himself. Yeah, there we go. He kind of wakes up. He realizes and he says to himself, my father's servants have it better than I do. The very least I can do is go back home and be one of his servants. Now I'm thinking if I'm getting out of the pig pen and, and, and I've wasted all my dad's money, I'm going home to a whooping. But as he's going home, his father is literally, you know, modern day on his porch, just waiting for his son to receive him with open arms. You and I, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, we serve a God. We serve a father who will receive us even when we have messed up. Not because you are so perfect, not because you deserve it, but because his love is unconditional. Not only is he the point, not only is God personal, but then God has power. I believe God, the Father, who's weak. No, no, no. No, that ain't what he say. No. I believe God, the Father, almighty. Amen. He has all power in his hands. Love the scripture. I'm going to read it. You already know I'm going to read it. It says, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I am a parent of a four-year-old, and my 
word has zero power. <laughs> Have you seen my four-year-old? He's crazy. I'm like, Joe, Joe, don't climb it. Joe, oh, uh, you're climbing it. Oh, uh, shoot. Joe, get down. Joe, I said get down. Joe, did you hear me say get down? He doesn't listen to my word. And I actually, you know, I kind of punish him just a little bit. And my word still doesn't carry power. We're talking about the alpha and omega, the first and the last, the A and the Z, the God of everybody and everything. Text says, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He has all power, so much power that he can wrap himself in human flesh, come down, born of a virgin Mary, and literally grow up as an infant a baby, tiny little infant Jesus in a poor neighborhood, grow up for 30, over 30 years, only to die, literally be crucified, punished, nasty, grotesque death, and buried in a borrowed tomb, didn't even have his own tomb. And three days later, resurrects from the grave, not limping, not broke down, not busted and disgusted, but he resurrects with all power heaven and earth in his hands. And then after that, there's a bunch of people, dismantled, just random people, choose to follow him. Just a bunch of misfits, kind of like you guys, a bunch of misfits <laughs> who are willing to be killed and murdered and persecuted just for the name of Jesus. When is the last time somebody decided to be punished for you? For your name. If that's not power, I don't know what it is. Amen. And over 2,000 years later, we're still here saying the name of Jesus. So much power that the text says, at the name of Jesus, oh God, every knee will bow. My dad's a preacher, if you didn't know. He's a preacher, if you couldn't tell. He says, even unwilling knees. Even if you don't want to bow, one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, he's Lord. God, we thank you so much that we have an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, and that's liberating. For some folks that are kind of prideful like me sometimes, it can be offensive Pray, oh God, that we will continue to be offended so we can realize that the throne only belongs to you. You're the one that really has all the power. You're the one that's truly present, ever present. You're the one that's the point. You're not the prop. You're the point. You're the, you're the big deal. Pray, God, that, that we can apply this in such a way that we won't put so much pressure on ourselves to be everything that you already did on the cross. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? If you believe in the words on the screen, I would encourage you to recite them with me. If you would rather not, please feel free to remain standing in silence. That would be okay. If you would please follow along with me as we recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.